Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the doctor as he travels the vortex and arrived at the fruit salad we call episode 422. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? I missed the reference. What is that? The whole quote is, it started with a serpent and an apple, and look at the fruit salad we're in now. Ah, okay. I must have missed that. One good. Of, one of many good quotes. Yeah, there were quite a few. How are you guys? Not too bad. I'm hip deep in the fruit salad. <laughs> <laughs> You're hip deep in work right now and i'm uh, cruising through the week because i'm off all week well lucky you yeah. i'm so envious <laughs> <laughs> well it's spring break spring break so. <laughs> i take it off every year even though we don't go anywhere although we were getting ready to paint our uh, living room so <clears throat> that'll be done tomorrow and that's that's not important what'd you guys do this <laughs> week we uh finished the umbrella academy it's really good i liked it a lot I liked it so much I went and read the, co- the first volume of the graphic novel after. <laughs> uh, which, I think I like the series better. It just, you know, being what it is doesn't delve into things the same way or as deeply in the comics. There's a lot more jammed into the series than there is the comics. and it, The overall story is the same, but I just preferred what they did in the, in the series. That probably makes me a heretical person, but... Yeah, I saw, liked it. You saw it first. So. Yeah. And then we went and watched Captain Marvel. <laughs> which was... Did a, you? So did we. Yeah, wow. Yeah. How weird. Yeah, it's strange. Did you, Sean? <laughs> I did not. Oh. I, I get to be odd man out this time. We actually I, ended up at the same showing as Steve <laughs> and Sarah. So. Same row, even. Yep. <laughs> the movie's really good. The movie's really good. Yeah. Good. I don't know that I would... Say it's the best, but it, it's oh, no. such an enjoyable film, such a uh, poignant film to be the first entry of a of a female headed film, titled film. Uh, it's so well done. So just just a lot of fun, a lot of little, a lot of surprises. I think. I think the, yeah, the some decent the, ones. One of the things that I thought going into this was there would be a level of predict- predictability, and I think part of that is because I knew the Captain Marvel or the Ms. Marvel story. And so I kind of went into it with some expectations for them to hit and they hit all of my expectations in new various ways, which I thought was very clever of them. So, right. Um, well, there's one major big spoiler that I can't say. Actually, there's two major big spoilers that I can't say anything about. Well, and just three the, major, but God, we, okay, we're there's done. a lot of spoilers. <laughs> well, and just the, you know, what they're dealing with, with the scroll invasion and everything did not, they didn't do what I thought they would with it. And I don't, I don't know a lot of details about what happens with them in the comics, but I assume they took a very different approach. Yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> a very different approach. Really good though. <clears throat> You should go see it, Sean. Oh, I, I plan to. <laughs> no, no worries there. It's just finding the time to do it because we are uh, pretty much every day this month we have something booked mm. all the way up through the end of the month. So wow. it's finding a slot to put that in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost finished with the Target book by Telos uh, Publishing that talks about the 
tar the target novelizations. It steps through hmm. the, the evolution, not the evolution, but the history of the Doctor Who target novelization. It's a really interesting read. I'm probably about 30 pages from the end. But. Hmm. Do you watch anything, Sean, or do anything other than work? Not really. I did get to sneak in Overlord, which was fun. It's not as bonkers as the trailers made it out to be. It's actually a pretty decent war film. All right, well, should we move on to uh, news? Yeah, uh, apparently the news is kind of taking a break, too, because there's not much out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's taking spring break. Yes, uh, however, our good folks at Candy Jar never fail to come through with some news for us when we need it. They have announced uh, the long-awaited celebratory book, The Brigadier Declassified. This was a book that was supposed to come out last year under the name The Brigadier, 50 Years of Lethbridge Stewart. It's been rebranded and got new stories to be at or new essays to be added into it to look at all of the Briggs television appearances plus some audio and other um, medias, including uh, direct to film, direct to video films. For what it's worth, Declassified is a much cooler title oh, than, yeah. than 50 Years of the Brigadier. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I think that's pretty neat. Featuring an uh, interview with John Levine and a foreword by Terry Malloy. And, uh, you know, lots of other good stuff. <laughs> You're his, uh, <laughs> yeah. Sean and I could have. Tap dancing, tap dancing. Sean and I have contributed to the book as well. So there's. In there's, fact, somebody, what, one person's name is on the blurb. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I said we didn't want to talk about. I was. Not not the uh, fact that we contributed, just the fact that I, for some reason I'm on the blurb of the <laughs> book. So. But you contributed. So. Uh, yeah, I did, but I just still seems like that's some kind of mistake because I'm sure my uh, contribution is just a small. Perhaps you're detail. just selling yourself short. Uh, I don't know about that. I think it's because you were on time. I was on time. <laughs> <laughs> Barely. <laughs> you were more on time than I was. <laughs> Well, you can pre-order it for eight ninety-nine pounds plus shipping and handling, directly from Candy Bar Jar Books. Uh, coming out spring sometime, and not official release date yet. Plus a gorgeous cover. As gorgeous cover. Yeah, I like the cover a lot. I can't wait to read what you guys wrote. You were, didn't you read? <laughs> Me too. I skimmed over his. Oh, okay. I, 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 I don't remember it. <laughs> we, I, I thought we both kind of helped copy edit his, but I think you copy edited it more than I did. Oh, I think I looked at it and went, "Oh, okay, I need to go back and look at that deeper," <laughs> and never did. The the, 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 uh, the the wonderful feedback that I got from Keith was you know, what Glenn said. <laughs> <laughs> you should do that. Well, we're we're on the same page. That's right. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Yes. Is that it for news? That's it for news. All right. Well, shall we move on to feedback? Let's move on to feedback with Jameson. Jameson writes, hey, Vortexers. This email might get in what? <laughs> you're, you're, you're in that zone of, okay, it's almost time for a new glasses prescription because you went you went on and then you moved them up and then you decided, nope, that's not right either. Went back to the bifocals. I, I can't. <laughs> They, they're the no line bifocals. I was in that zone too. There's sometimes depending on if it's dark, then you yeah, know, there might be still need to use I, them. I, I can't don't know. quite get used to <laughs> reading with them, and sometimes it's better to take them off. <laughs> uh, hey, vortexers, this email might get into or get you guys into some tangents. Hopefully, you can get through them briefly. I've gotten to the point where you're discussing the Avengers. 
On to the episode, starting with episode 71. Again, I haven't seen any of the Sarah Jane adventures, so my comments are very limited, but this was a good episode. The only thing I have to add is that the Pied Piper is played by Bradley Walsh, who is now known as Companion Graham O'Brien. It didn't even occur to me that that was the same. We discussed it when he was cast, but none of us could really remember yeah. <laughs> who the, what the character was. Did we discuss was. it? I think we did a little bit. Oh, I don't remember. I don't even remember. But I, I don't think any of us remembered the character very yeah, well. Yeah. I guess we'll have to go back and revisit that now. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Yep. Episode 72, The Ronnie. First, the little things. Sean, your angry Nixon. my chair. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you guys are making this very difficult. It just slides in there. Oh. Throwing things around the studio. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't get to pick up as much as normal, so, you know, there's <laughs> toys to play with. Ooh. <laughs> Sean, your angry Nixon, look around the 11 minute mark in this episode, sounds more like Admiral Akbar than what I've heard of Nixon. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think what he was going for was Futurama. Oh, Nixon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know. Well, maybe Admiral Akbar just sounds like Nixon. <laughs> Nixon came first, after all. Well, did he say future Nixon? So that's no. Angry Nixon. Angry Nixon. Angry Nixon. Oh. <laughs> Second, I think that maybe having an episode where you discuss that various features would be fun. You may touch on this in your upcoming Blu-ray discussion in episode two, uh, 428, but I think an episode where you discuss your favorite special features and what discs have each parts of series, such as Girls, 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 Tomorrow's Time, Strip for Action, just to name a few, would be fun. Here's the tangential section. Now that we've gotten Infinity War, who is your favorite MCU film character? Film and character. That's tough. My favorite film is still The Avengers. The uh, first one? Yeah, the first Avengers film. Um, just hands down will always be... I think my my favorite character will always be uh, Tony Stark. I just I love the Iron Man character. I love what they've done. I think we've gotten to know Stark so intimately over the past 10 years now. So I think that I still really like the character exploration they've done with him. I think my favorite is the tie between the first Avengers and Winter Soldier. Those two are the ones I will always probably go back to the most frequently. And I don't know if I really have a favorite character. I, I like so many of them. Favorite movies probably Guardians of the Galaxy. And character is a tough one. Um, Everett the- Ross. <laughs> I do like. I was thinking Colson a little bit. I do. I do like Colson. Yeah. Well, it's every time I think, like you, you were saying, you know, Iron Man. I was like, yeah, Tony Stark's really because that's an easy. But then you said Winter Soldier's like, well, yeah, Cap. I really like him. I mean, I could just kind of bounce around that for. I could go with Loki. I mean, I just there's really not a main character I dislike. Really? Yeah. And, and every time it gets, you know, like I didn't like. It's not that I didn't like Thor, but I definitely liked Thor probably less than the other heroes until Ragnarok. Yeah. And right. then I was just thinking that Ragnarok this, would be another contender for favorite. Yeah. He became this, Oh, I get it now, you know? So I don't know that I could narrow that down and pick one. I know I'm boring. I'm the kid. It's like, Oh, the whole trilogy counts as one movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. The Ronnie is an interesting character. She's amoral, but not necessarily crazy. Like the master. I think she's one that could use more stories. Is there a particular doctor you'd like to see her go up against besides Six? 
I'd like to see her show up in the Time War against the Eighth Doctor, maybe against Seven as well. Yeah. Eight would be good. Twelve. Eleven. Yeah. I think it'd be really cool to see, uh, you know, because I think she would intimidate him to a certain extent, but not really, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I think that would be a fun dynamic. Uh, so Mark of the Ronnie, I remember enjoying this. I think it's one of my first Colin Bakers, but it's been so long that I can't really comment on it. I do remember the difference in runtime throwing me though. That was the first one where they went to the two episodes at 45 minutes. Wasn't yeah. It? The time in the Ronnie. This one was okay. The Ronnie, the doctor and Mel were good. The rest just okay. One final question related to this episode. Does the existence of Missy make the return of the Ronnie in the new series obsolete? Personally, I don't know. As of the Doctor Falls, the Master Missy is supposedly dead. Missy killed Saxton, causing him to regenerate into her, and then he killed her, stating that this form of murder-suicide meant she couldn't regenerate. I think this was meant to remove the Master from the show, although for how long he stays dead is the bigger question, as opposed to will he stay dead. Does this open things up for the Ronnie to appear? Maybe. I think having a female master makes it harder. The Ronnie appears, and people familiar with classic series will think it's just Missy having survived. Although, having the 13th Doctor up against the Ronnie might be fun. What do you guys think on that? I think generically, we got a two-for-one with Missy. I think Mm -hmm. we got the Ronnie and the master, sort of. Again, I think you could paint... We got the master, and we sort of got the Ronnie. Yeah, I think you can paint distinctions between them, but I think with broad stroke brushes, I think we kind of got both however i think that the, the a good point would be you wouldn't have to bring back the master or missy if you wanted to to bring you know a rogue time lord back you could right bring her back with with maybe jody whitaker's doctor it'd almost be interesting to have the ronnie show up you know since you now the doctor has switched genders had the ronnie go male and then regenerate midway through the story into a female I think that might be kind of interesting. But not announce it ahead of time. Yes. <laughs> Regardless, don't announce that the Ronnie's coming back. Yeah. Um, I'd be all for the return of the Ronnie. I, I, I think she's a great character, um, whichever gender she turns uh, turns up as. And I, I, I don't know that I totally agree with you, Jameson, that she you know, is kind of obsolete now that they've brought Missy in. I, I definitely see where you're going with it. And that may have been Moffat's intention because at one point in time, I seem to remember him saying the Ronnie will never appear in new who, at least not under his watch. Um, I think part of that stems from his particular, I don't want to say dislike, but he was not a big fan of the late eighties, um, who stories, um, especially the ones that, you know, <laughs> that she fell into. Um, but um, if anything, really, the reception of the female master would open the door to, you know, other female time rogue time lords to come in because, you know, she was received so well. Yeah, I would think so. Did Pip and Jane write the first Ronnie story? That's the other part of it that I wonder if that's maybe tied in with why. Yes. I knew that they wrote time, but I can't actually when I've said that. I don't know. I may have to back I off. I can remember that. if they wrote Mark or not, but. I thought they had, but um, now that you've asked me, I'm, my brain is scrambling, so maybe not. I'm trying to... Keith will imdba it um, while he does. Uh, on to other random comments that don't tie into a specific episode. So you've by now sampled a good selection of books, comics, and audio. 
Are there any non-TV writers or writers who have maybe written for TV but primarily write for those other formats that majorly stand out to you? Let's save that one for a future discussion. I think that's a good idea. We haven't really delved into that, but I think that's a good a good show topic. Thank you for giving us that show topic. In, in, in your mainlining, you'll probably be able to pick some out for us yeah. because we tend to, that's you know, true, yeah. especially Sean will sing the praises of certain writers that, that, that more one so. guy that I can't think of his name off the right. top of my head now. Well, there's a couple of those one guys. <laughs> Stephen Lyons is mine. But. Another question would be, what doctors have benefited from their novels, comics, audio stories, and what do these detract from? I think the doctors that have benefited most from the extra stories, especially audio, would be Colin Baker, John Hurd, and Paul McGann. As to being detracted, I can't really think of any off the top of my head. I would throw Sylvester McCoy in there. I think he's benefited from continuing his storyline. In the darkness. I don't know that. Um, I mean, realistically, I don't think there's a detraction to any of it. I think more is probably better for all of them. I mean, even having uh, uh, Tom Baker come back and do more Fourth Doctor stuff, I think is good. Whether it's you know fan service at this point or not, it's it's all in if you like that Doctor. Right? Yeah, I mean, so if, if it's a Doctor that you like, you're getting something that you like. So. I think there's there's definite benefits to it. Uh, keep up the good work, Jamie. And Thank you keep you. up the good work, Jamie. Keep Thank giving you, us Jamie. the... Um, Keith, would you do me a favor and make a note of his um, uh, episode topic? Suggestion? Yes, that way I don't lose that. And I'll work on getting that on the schedule at some point. Did you happen to find Pip and Jane? They did write it. They did okay. write it. So that could be part of the other problem. <laughs> could be. There may be a right. I don't thing. know that it's a problem because I think you're right. I think uh, Moffat just wasn't in favor of that character, so that's why I haven't returned. All right. Well, should we move on to our review? The magic. Should we explain? We should. Okay. So here's the deal. Um, with my work, no, I, I, I could, I could blame this on the workload and how busy I've been, which is the honest to goodness truth. Uh, but the simple fact of the matter is I didn't get my homework done uh, for class in time. So <laughs> I am not done reading Doctor Who and the Cricket Men, which is what we were supposed to be reviewing this week. And Fortunately, he was ahead on <laughs> other pieces of homework. And so Having spent a lot of time in the car shuttling back and forth from these pieces of, it was, of work. It was easy enough for Keith and I to catch up to him. So the, we did these that two this week. fine, upstanding gentlemen so we kind will enough be, to get uh, ahead on their homework. Reviewing the Magic Mousetrap. And so skipped ahead. So. Now we can do that. Switzerland, 1926. The doctor finds himself halfway up an alpine mountainside on his way to an exclusive sanatorium for the rich and famous run by the alienist Ludovic Ludo Comfort. In between bouts of electric shock therapy, Ludo's patients, including faded music hall turned turn Randall, Harry Randall, chess grandmaster Swamp Con, and Lola Luna, darling of the Weimer, Weimer cabaret scene. Why all that matters, I don't know. <laughs> Fill their time with an soul. endless round of snap, among other diversions. But the doctor soon suspects that someone's playing an altogether more sinister game. Someone with a score to settle. Bum, bum, bum. That's not what I listened to. You didn't listen to the Magic Mousetrap? Oh, I thought I did. That doesn't sound familiar. It's because the beginning was really, really confusing. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I was trying oh. to make Sean, uh, Sean sweat a little bit. 
Which one did you listen to? Because I probably <laughs> I probably got it knocked out. Yeah, you so. probably did that one too. But Keith wouldn't. No, I, I didn't. I, I did listen to it. Um, do you want to start? Go ahead. Um, I enjoyed it. I I liked this one a lot. It was confusing, and this was one of those that was done purposely because the doctor. We start off with uh, the the doctor's um, unconscious, and he wakes up, and that's kind of where we're dropped into the story. He has I don't some, think we know at that point that he's unconscious. He's just boarding the, the gondola at that point. Yeah, right? He wakes up on the gondola. Oh, did he? Yeah. I didn't. Okay, I missed that. Okay. Um, so he's already in transit to this place and apparently is suffering some, some sort of amnesia. He doesn't quite know who he is. It's not a gondola. It's a cable car. Cable car. <laughs> yeah. But um, he, he's got a pleasant companion to talk to. And so he's kind of passing the time away and things are going, all right, well, we'll, we'll find out where we're going when we get there. And, you know, Okay. And then things go wrong because he starts being given electric shocks. Some of them are on purpose. Some of them seem accidental. And you discover that it's this, you know, sanitarium and there's loony people there. Some of them are legitimately sick and some of them are just loony. And it's this, it it feels in a way very much like a seventh doctor story it's this very eclectic cast of oddballs and it jumps around within sort of sort of harkens to ghost light i think yeah in a way a little ghost light a little happiness with the stuff in the attic (laughs) well i think i think mostly because it's these very eccentric characters that you don't know anything about and they sort of piece the mystery together for you as you go uh, sorry. No, no. <laughs> I, I was it, trying to qualify your seventh doctor, uh, very seventh doctor. It, it and is. I think that's probably because, because that's uh, that's exactly maybe it. Maybe even just, maybe even happiness too. Well, even with the um, even with the editing that you you get these little, I keep hitting that. Sorry. Uh, you you get these little scenes with you know it's a, it's a segue that we're going to go over here for a minute, but nothing really happens in that particular segue. And then we come back over here to the doctor for a minute. And then you go to another scene with a completely new group of people. And you think, oh, okay, well, I'm going to learn something over here. Nope, they're crazy too. And you, you just kind of keep bouncing around in all these things for tiny little interludes. And then eventually these characters start to come together and you start to see where these pieces fit. And you're going, oh, okay. Paradise Tower is very much that way too. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's kind of the whole run, I think, for, for that particular time frame felt like that. And then um, once you think you know what's going on, nope, <laughs> something bigger and different. I really struggled until we got to that bigger and different thing because yeah. all the characters are so crazy and so manic and so all over the place that it's so hard to keep track of what's going on and what's happening that I just started getting frustrated because it felt like we were going nowhere. Nothing was happening. I didn't know who these characters were. I didn't know what was going on. Until we get to the big reveal. And then, in retrospect, it all made sense. But I didn't enjoy the ride getting to the reveal. Really? Yeah. See, I didn't think they were extreme or manic. I felt that they were... There's a lot of disjointedness to this setup. And especially when you find out that Ace and Hex are actually there. And pretending to be somebody else in the attic. Um but I think it, it peppered in really well that the doctor was meant not to do something. And so I kind of rode with that. But I, I spotted right away, very, very early on, especially, in fact, it was when the, there were 
maybe not Scrabble, but it was them continuing to play games. I spotted very early on that this was going to be a Celestial Toy Maker. Mm. So I felt like, okay, great. I figured this out. Let's just get to, <laughs> let's get to the reveal now, you know? And which I've done in times before where I felt like, okay, I feel like this is predictable. Now, because of the nature of the disjointedness and how, how interesting I felt that it was leading you down paths to kind of, it almost felt like they were forcing me to predict that it was the Celestial Tormaker, which then I got a little suspicious about it that, Especially when he calls out the doll that 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 shows up, and asks, "Are you the celestial toy maker?" I thought, "Oh, the twist is it's not going to be. Mm. It's going to be something else." So they've done a good job of, but but then they continue the path, and it is the celestial toy maker. And so then I thought, "Okay, well, now where's the surprise?" And the surprise was the fact that the doctor had, when it gets to that point, that we learned that the doctor has set up this. Trap basically so that the celestial toy maker will fizzle out because he can't survive. His... Then I went, aha, this story finally got really good. Yeah, because you did. You you telegraphed to me that this was going to be the celestial toy maker. You did a really good job of heavily putting the hints in there. But then the twist wasn't the fact that, oh, surprise, it's the celestial toy maker behind this. It's the surprise, there's a whole different story going on here. So then I kind of, I really got into it and really liked it, but I was kind of the same way. It felt very disjointed about what was going on and the storytelling was very confusing and hard to follow yes. up until the point I think that we, we and even beyond that there was still a bit of enough of a disconnect that I still felt confused at times but um, overall I thought that that plot was clever in order to but they had to get me to that point for me to finally give them credit for the plot mm-hmm. because once I got past that this is really feeling predictable <laughs> then Ultimately, I thought, okay, this is kind of cool. See, and I was following along just fine, and for the most part, with you know, he's in the sanatorium and he stopped the electrocutions that were happening in you know, the electroshock therapy, and then they just took this weird left turn where he's, I guess, playing a game, and there's an avalanche, but yeah, he survives, and it's following him. It just was the so, avalanche itself was following yeah, it him. Just, yeah. the, the situation made sense, but how he got there, I wasn't clear on. So I that's when was, I started getting frustrated of what was, I don't know what's going on. I yet. think maybe why I, I was a little more relaxed on the confusions is the fact that the, I think that's the point that I realized, okay, this is definitely going to be the service because they, he's on a square and he brushes it off and that, and it says something about miss. And he's like, well, yeah, I'm not a miss. This must be intended for you. And then when they finally reveal that it's, you know, cause avalanche, miss a turn, then I went, okay, aha, this is definitely Celestial's uh, toy That's maker. when I started so, picking so up the So the chaotic, idea. weird things about the avalanche just following him, I thought, okay, well, that's all obviously the, right. the influence of the, of the toy maker. So um, I think maybe I was a little more forgiving once I decided, okay, well, this works because of this. And had I picked up a little bit sooner that the fact that, you know, he, they were playing a game and that it was the toy maker i probably would have been more okay with it but the fact that i was a little slower on the uptake on that and this made me kind of confused (laughs) see i think that right off the bat when they were sitting there and they they jumped through like four games within a five minute span it felt like they went from yeah yeah it was three or something i mean they they did uh, first was scrabble and then was conundrum no what they call it uh, it wasn't conundrum. It was a consequence. Uh, uh, oh, 
It was they, consequences at some point. Is it consequence? Yeah, consequences was the second one. That's where they were telling the story. They had pick a, a person and then they tell a story up until the consequences and the monkey thing. Uh, and then the third one was musical chairs, right? Yeah. Okay, but I didn't remember anything beyond that. I mean, obviously later they they're they're, they're discussing playing chess and they're they're, right. they're doing other things too. But, but when, when they when they did those in, in very quick succession right off the bat, my I, I I kind of was like you. I was like, oh, this games maybe this is a, a, a toy maker thing. And then we kind of got into a heavy sanitarium part with, with crazy. And it was like, oh, no, that's just they're this, oh. they're just keeping themselves occupied. Okay, now, but then we came to the avalanche. And when that square, I was right with you guys. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. This is... The other thing that justified it for me was when Ace and Hex are in the attic, they're looking at the monitor in the... They're twisting the dials on the robot and seeing the... that. That's how they were watching the things play out with the doctor. And then that's what's... That's what really cemented it. It's like, okay, well, this is directly from the toy maker. So there it is. Thank goodness that we watched that. Just... Yeah, and here I was about to give you credit for having that planned. (laughs) Knowing that it was going to be a celestial toy maker story, and so we got that in ahead of time. It, it, it may have been planned. It may have been serendipity. You may have planned it and then forgot about it. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't take credit for it. The force is guiding me at this point. <laughs> but um, so yeah, because I haven't put together an adversary archive for a while to, to kind of lead him. <laughs> so I, I, I think. Um, I agree with you. It was very disjointed and very, very chaotic. But I think I was just kind of enjoying the ride because these characters were oddball enough that I was kind of like, all right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the doctor was there and he didn't seem to be any real danger. Whatever they did to him, he bounced back from fairly quickly. Oh, and there was quite a few references of, you know, oh, he's back. We're going to play with him. And, oh, he's remembering quicker. So there was a lot of a lot of interesting mystery there. It's just when they went to actually go play the games is when I started getting lost and then once uh ace and hex kind of let slip the oh we've just got to make it through until tomorrow that was what really piqued my mind. It's like okay what is the deal what yeah. do you we, we've just got to keep him occupied we've got to keep him knocked out we've got to prevent him from doing anything until tomorrow okay why i mean what, mm-hmm. what is the and so that really is kind of what triggered the and i was really all right what is this mystery to unravel so then, as you pointed out, it's not so much the, the reveal that it's the Celestial Toy Maker; it's the reveal that the Doctor's been playing a game against himself. Yeah, <laughs> I love the fact that the Doctor's manipulations backfire in his face well, yeah, so he's, large. He's even able to beat his own games. <laughs> the entire thing is, is the Magic Mouse Trap. It's a trap, and they've removed the the Toy Maker from his uh, his realm in an effort to. Uh, have him wither up and die. Except for there's another twist that they, they didn't actually <laughs> they didn't actually remove him, which I thought was another clever layer to put on there. Um, giving then at that point, I think giving more uh, a heavier gravitas to the to the toy maker and the threat seemed even more significant when, especially when uh, what was the the gal's name. Uh, uh, the girl that came up the the cable car with him. Her name's so simple. Queenie. 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 Uh, even to the point where Queenie sort of quasi figures it out, sets fire to the painting <laughs> that is the basically making up the landscape I'm go of burn Switzerland. The sky. <laughs> I mean, that was that was crazy. Um, 
coming up to that point, I thought, wow, okay, you've really even flipped this even more. I didn't suspect the fact that, although it did seem very simple when they were explaining what had happened and that the doctor had, not the doctor, but the um, the other guy, uh, her dad, had basically, you know, snapped his fingers to put them back, you know, put them to the sanatorium so that that was a safe, secure place, keep him out. And then I thought, oh, wow, they're making a real point of that. And I thought, how does that work? I mean, granted, they all have a piece of the toy maker's consciousness in them, but would that make them powerful enough to be able to train? Oh, nope, it didn't. <laughs> it was about the time that I got to thinking it through that I was like, oh, yeah, there you go. Surprise, he didn't. <laughs> Which was an interesting idea to begin with. It was like, you know, oh, we, we, we each wound up with a sliver of the Toymaker's consciousness. So we broke him apart and then brought him back to imprison him in this. And the whole idea of keeping the Doctor in the dark was the Doctor's so that he wouldn't figure out that something was amiss and save everybody. Right. <laughs> and ruin the, 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 the thing. But then the doctor even says, a bunch of humans beat the toy maker? I don't think so. <laughs> and then you begin to go, yeah, wait a minute. How does that work? How did you get a sliver of him in your head to begin with? And, and then later the toy maker reels, oh, I just wanted to know what it was like to lose. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and you, I mean, at first it's laughable, but then you start to think about it. I was like, yeah. Although I mean, he's I lost guess, before. The doctor beat him. The doctor did beat him, but... That was how long ago? Oh, I mean, true. we're talking millennia of of games, and he's not above cheating to get what he wants. So, or to win, you know, over and over and over and over again. That's got to wear thin, just to shake things up. It's like, all right, let's see what happens. Even though I don't know that it was really, did, did he, he really, really feel really... like it was lost because he had this contingency plan in place all along was he really losing at that point well that's what i got that's that's why i walked away with it from was it was he was ultimately throwing the game to win in the very end and uh he ends up getting thwarted in the very end again too uh, <laughs> oh what a brilliant bit that was al- yeah almost yeah. to the point where the doctor really had no i mean he, he somewhat had some bearing on the finale of this story but it really ended up being queenie and her father and her father ultimately that draws it to the conclusion to to, to, uh kind of change the stakes so that they could trap the toy maker again which i i wasn't sure what i thought of the ending because it's it seems like the uh, her dad and the toy maker are kind of coexisting in, in in that realm now uh which, you know, the, the doctors at least implied that you'll never get rid of the toy maker. You'll only ever trap right. him in his own dimension. Or once you do beat him, he obviously comes back and, cre- and is able to create a dimension of his own. But I thought that I, I walked away with this thinking, okay, that's kind of just, that was a, a bizarre ending. But then I kind of like it on the whole poeticness of it that perhaps now that the toy maker has in essence a companion of his own in order to and, and and almost almost an equal rival because he's number one he's still part of his essence is in uh well i can't remember they kept calling ludo. him ludo yeah was it was it ludo yeah that was yeah ludo, ludo comfort so that, that, that now maybe he doesn't he won't feel compelled to draw and trap people in because he has somebody to continue to play games with although they also imply that they're locked in some sort of stalemate or checkmate um also 
So I don't know. I just thought it was kind of neat that they were able to maybe what's the fix for getting rid of, a, of, a, of an adversary that you can't get rid of? You've already established the rules that you can't get rid of this guy. We can only lock him away for a little bit. Well, put him in a situation where he doesn't have to. There's no need or com, uh, compelling uh, reason to go on and draw people in because now you have a forever companion to play your games with. So right. I kind of liked how they left that. I mean, again, I'm kind of interpreting that and that's the way I'm looking yeah, at it. Because even, well, even that's kind of open-minded from the standpoint of, you know, because you can look at it from the, you know, the, we're, we're left with the idea that they're in this very confined physical reality of their mental construct where if you move, you're going to get electrocuted. Right, right. Mm -hmm. the, the, either one of them, if they move to end of the game and win, they're going to get fried and, and that that won't work. So neither one of them can make that final move to win the game. But then as you said, okay, well, you have a playmate now. But if you, does, I mean, can you call a truce? Can you call a timeout? Or you just don't finish that game. Don't finish that game and move on to something else. Right. That's then, why I kind of looked at but it. But does that, that then give that somebody game, the... That game forever continues to be on... Well, I see what you're saying. If you, you know, start another game, then you've... I, I, does that me, somehow though, invalidate the one that, you've got him trapped in? To me, that, that trapped mo movement is like the lock. And anything you do beyond in, within the cell is fine. But you're right in the sense that there always has to be a winner-loser competitive nature of it. On the other hand, you get the impression that the, 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 the uh, toy maker has done... I don't know that you do now that I say that. I was going to say, uh, you know, is, 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 is locked in games with other people that he wins... And there's no outside consequence. It's just they get trapped and, and stay there. But um, I suppose looking at it that way, yeah. Could you play a game within a, another game going on, or does the game have to conclude? Yeah, something? I mean, it, it, it sent me off no, on it's that. Certainly, for, yeah, it's, it's, I, I was thinking about that all the way in the, in the car going, okay, now wait a minute. So, okay, let's say, for example, that you're, you're Ludo, and a couple of thousands of years go by where you've been chatting with the toy maker, threatening to, you know off each other and he finally says look you know this has gotten kind of boring you want to go get some coffee and play something else <laughs> and you're like oh, i'm not falling for that <laughs> and he goes no 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 really i mean we'll, we'll just we'll, this is a, a frozen moment it's a draw we know that neither one of us is willing to give in we've gone for this long so this this is kind of here and we'll go over here could you trust the toy maker no. to uphold that and go, yeah, all right, let's go play Scrabble. And, you know, you promise you're not going to, uh, you know, turn me into a doll as soon as I, you know, come up with a two-letter word because I don't have anything good in my slate. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, that's a good point. If you I start just, another all of a sudden, game, do you, continue, do, you, do you jeopardize the fact that you've locked him in one game? So, I yeah. suppose you can only trap him for so long, though. Eventually, he's going to get out of this trap. Well, I get the impression only if one or the other makes a move. If he makes yeah. a move, then he's Fried. gone. Although, if he makes the move and then it ultimately is "quote unquote" reborn later, as 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 he is implied from the toy maker, the celestial toy maker, uh, the the TV story, then 
I mean, I guess he, he wins either way. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, he's already won. Just depends on if he's willing to really get rid of that moral he's shell. Already, he's already won to... by losing to the doctor once because he's able to come, he's able to come back. The doctor's right. got a finite, uh, uh, my, you know, what do they call it? Limited immortality, uh, whereas the, the Celestial Toymaker doesn't have that limitation. Right. So, Because they did determine that he was an elemental, right? That he was one of the Eternals. Well, that's, that's still that's, unofficial that's still canon. Up, unofficial, up but that's that's the that's what's been alluded to. Not an elemental, a uh, eternal. Eternal, yeah. Yeah, you got to feel good about keeping an eternal busy for a while <laughs> in a draw. I mean, yeah. And as an eternal, like I said, if you had won all these games for all this time to the point where you were willing to throw a game, this was probably something new. He oh. was probably willing to sit there in the stalemate for a long time. To go, okay, <laughs> let's see how this turns out. What happens? A few thousand years later, he might be going, all right, I'm done. <laughs> well, and you got to think. You say I, thousands. I think it's going to be millions. Thousands of millions of however long the time yeah. is subjective. That's true, but yeah, especially at that point. Is, is Ludo still human? I mean, is he aging? Is he? I mean, there's all I, kinds of questions that I've got. I get the, <laughs> just from the previous story, I've got the impression that... In the celestial toy maker's realm, you don't age. You, you don't, don't age. You just time kind of, isn't kind of how we view it here. Time a, may pass here, but then it's, it's all outside a, of time yeah, because it's all a construct of the toy maker's mind and yeah. his manipulation manipulation of the ether, as they kept referring to, which I thought was weird that they were saying ether. But it, it, with his manipulation of the ether, I think yeah, certainly you could draw the conclusion that it's timeless there. So, so he's not going to get tired standing there and you know have to think of a chair. Yeah, he's likely. just gonna. He's just there. Likely. And suppose, and you could also kind of think that since these also trapped in the celestial celestial toy maker's realm, he is then a toy until he is freed. So that kind of he's no longer actually human because he's a toy, even though he hasn't lost yet. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And he has however much power of the toy maker still within him to right. begin with. So. so that essentially makes him part eternal also. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I really, the, it was the end of this story was fan. I, I really enjoyed the last. I half was willing to put up with the weirdness at the first half because it, as it went on, it was like kept getting a little more interesting, a little deeper and a little more, what is going on? Ooh. <laughs> and it just kind of, it, it excited me. I liked this one a lot. Yeah. All right, anything else on this story we need to uh, address before we move on? More Toymaker. <laughs> this is my third, fourth. This is my fourth occurrence with the Toymaker. Because so. there's the, I think maybe we read the comic that had the Toymaker. I think it was um, 11th, an 11th Doctor story. Had the Toymaker. I can't remember if that was one that we did or I did that on my own, but it seemed like that was something we talked about on the show. There was and a 12th years, Doctor one. Maybe it was 12th Doctor. It was 12th Doctor, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, just recently on the um, that Halloween or Halloween, but that one I read back in October. Um, well, I won't say much more because I don't want to spoil anything. But there's a uh, there's a good story there too. So. Um, <laughs> did anybody else get a, um, a a saw, a jigsaw vibe from uh, the, the doll? Because the way he clicked when he talked. Oh, I got jigsaw? more of a. Oh, I got more of a. Ventriloquist. A ventriloquist, yeah. Ventriloquist. I think too. The other thing is, you don't when you when you watch a ventriloquist, you don't hear that snap, snap, snap. Right. But I think because it's an audio, you had they, to they, they had convey. to emphasize that. 
So was it me or did it sound like Jeffrey Beavers? He was not credited as the I toy maker, think so. but I thought he very much sounded like the Big Finish Master. Oh, I didn't. I, I didn't, didn't notice. That's it, Jeffrey Beavers, right? Mm-hmm. The one who played yeah. in uh-huh. Master. Uh-huh. Yep. I didn't notice, but uh... I thought it did. Nah, because to me, when Beavers plays the Master in the audios, to me he sounds a bit like Boris Karloff, and I didn't feel like this was mm. of that sound or that oh, okay. tone. No, he sounded older. You know what I mean? He sounded older than even maybe Jeffrey Beavers. Yeah. He sounded like an older statesman type to me. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I did get that from that. Who, did, who did play? It doesn't credit anyone. Oh, well, interesting. Having a, I know that I read somewhere. someone else who plays him, but not credited this in this story. must have been, maybe it's in a later audio, but I know at one time before he passed, they tried to get Michael Gow to come back and portray, portray the... Celestial Toymaker in Big Finish Audio. I think I read that somewhere. Um, so I don't know if it would have been for this story or if he's visited later, uh, if if that was the particular story they're trying to get back for. But it's kind of too bad they didn't. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Might have been neat. Having him would have been. show up as a, a ventriloquist dummy, a mannequin, kind of gave an interesting workaround in-universe for why he didn't sound the same. Yeah. Because I, oh, there, yeah. There, there yeah. was a part of me that was a little concerned. It was like, well, are you going to try and impersonate what Michael Gow was doing in that episode? Or, or how are you going to, are you just going to do it and not worry about it? Or are you going to just have him with a different voice? And then they did this. And it was kind of the best of both worlds because his speech mannerisms were still kind of there, but it was disguised enough because of the dummy and the clicking that it was like it wasn't. I mean, yeah. obviously it wasn't. I wonder if he was in talks to return. And for the audio for the Nightmare Fair, because he would have returned for the actual televised version. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's what you're thinking of. Maybe I don't. I'm not sure. When did they do the audio for Nightmare Fair? I believe it was. Has Big Finish done an audio version of that? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I'd have to look. Cool. Not, I knew that was. It's one not of pulling the, up immediately. Which that I was one of the. I suppose realistically, <laughs> I probably should have done that one before we did this one. But yeah. oh, that's right. <laughs> that's one of the target novels that. It one, came out one in oh nine. The, the audio. Yeah, okay. and he passed away in eleven. Also, well, maybe maybe it was Nightmare Fair that they tried to get him to come back for. Anyway, uh, well. So let's catch everybody up on the schedule now. <laughs> we kind Changes. of to- we've kind of told people what we're doing next week, so. So next week is uh, Doctor Who and the Cricketmen instead of this week. And then the following week is um, Back to Audio with, uh, right? No. Yes. No. It no. Be. It that, isn't. That following week, is that Planet Comic Con weekend? That should that's, be Planet, Planet Comic Con weekend. Okay. Yeah. Um, which I guess technically is up in the air at this point. It is a little <laughs> in the air. Where, uh, the, the schedule says that we're talking about uh, TARDIS console rooms, but that might change, but we'll... We'll keep you apprised. We're still discussing plans, how that'll work that weekend. So It's going to be a busy weekend and busy week. Weekend. We thought the console room would be a nice, easy, yeah, here, a little softball for us to, yeah, you know, yeah. having a con weekend when we're all very busy. And, well, we just may not even have time for the softball. <laughs> <laughs> very possible. All right. Anything, we'll keep you appraised. Anything else we need to discuss other than uh, inviting people to become patrons on our uh, website and our podcast uh you can go
go to our website and uh, click on the uh, become a patron button and that'll take you to patreon and uh, all all support uh, is is very much uh, welcome and helpful and we want to thank again those people that continue to support us uh, as patrons that's going to do it for this week until next week i'm glenn i'm sean i'm keith cheers good night everybody be seeing you thanks for listening you have been listening to traveling the vortex doctor who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the bbc no infringement is intended or implied